You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh man, this show was going to be great, but in the last hour, it just got even better. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez here, and if you could tell in my voice, I am absolutely juiced for the juice. Jarvis Landry signs with the Saints. The second prodigal son is coming home. Absolutely unreal. Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most is James Mesh. He joins me for this Friday fun show. Jamesy, how you feeling, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Okay, so Jarvis posted a video about 40 seconds long that that was made of highlights from his career from Lutcher to LSU, Miami, Cleveland, so on. And the caption on it says, Home, who that nation see you soon? Well, then Odell Beckham comments on it and says, take me home, slime. James, Odell coming too? Sign him week seven? Odell coming too? Best receiving core ever? Oh, well, you see, it's funny that you bring up the receiving core because I saw a tweet that I thought was rather insane to, you know, when you see it on paper, it clicks even harder, right? Like, are, are you talking about the one where it, you look at the top three receivers, they all weren't playing for the Saints last year? Well, that that's part of it, yes. But it was like, okay, you know, top three receivers last year. The tweet said you went from Marquez Calloway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and... Um, well, it was Traquan Smith. Traquan Deontay, Smith. Deontay Hardy and Marquez. Lil Jordan was more of like the fourth. Well, the the tweet said Lil Jordan, but anyways, I just want to say Lil Jordan hopefully. to Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. Excuse me. If this isn't ultimate trust in Jameis Winston, I'm not quite sure what is. The LASIK laser. The LASIK laser. Hey, he's, I got, he's here to stay. I got a compliment on he's that one the st- other day. I wrote a I wrote an article for Canal Street Chronicles and I and I wrote LASIK Laser in there. Oh, did you? My editor was like, "Hey, I like that one." Shout out me. Let's go. Yeah, so appreciate you having my back on that one. You're welcome. <laughs> I've been saying that since we signed him, or or whenever he started last year. So that brings us to our poll question of the day: What do you think about Jarvis coming home? Do you love it? <laughs> Finally. Hashtag who dat? Is it meh? Because I've heard some people that aren't too thrilled about it. Old, injury prone. Everybody's just old and injury prone. Like, come on, man. Apparently, if you're not A.J. Brown. The guy's 29. He averaged 11 yards a, ca- a catch last year. And the only major injury that he has had in his NFL career was a fractured hip that he had surgically repaired. Which, in the last three years since he suffered that injury, it hasn't appeared to slow him down 
Other than that, it's just been mild knee sprains. I mean, yeah, those add up, but... That's what happens when you have to carry an off a passing game for a team. The guy's only 29. It's not old. You, You're finning all the 30-year-olds. Larry, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald was almost, what, 40? Or no, was I he think 40? His la- I think his last season, was, he was 35. No, I he's got to so. be older than that. I like how you always bring up stuff. I'm sorry, and but we, we, we he's, 30, to, he's 38. Yeah. I, okay. In his la- so his last season, I believe, was three years ago. See, so he, he was no, 35. No, it has not been that long. I, I feel like it has. No. Hold on. 20. Okay. 2020. 2020. So he was 36. Okay. So you weren't you weren't far off. But he played. But he played. Uh, well, 20, yeah, 2020 when he was age 37. Yeah. He played 13 games but had – well, he still had a decent season. But he wasn't on the field as much. But he, even at 37, you're uh, that's proving my point that 29 is not old. Yeah. It's not old. Um, and, you know, I hate to be the guy that sits here and goes – Steve I, Smith played till he was 36 or 37. Yeah, he, he played forever. Um, I hate to be the guy that sits here and goes, well, I told you so. I called it. But Are James. you saying this with me? No, just in general. Oh, because I was going to say, I mean, this isn't the first time I've been no, wrong. No, no, just in won't general. won't be the last either. Uh, I, I sat here on this show the other day, and I said, by Friday, he's going to sign with the Saints. And look where we are. Friday afternoon, right I, before the show. I love my life. I love my life. We have a jam-packed Friday fun show for you from... Ole Miss Rebels baseball all the way down to Texas State baseball. At 4.30, Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi is going to join us to preview the LSU Ole Miss series. At 5 o'clock, you got the voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker, for Cajuns Corner, a day late and a buck short after we didn't have a show yesterday. And then at 5.30, Brant Freeman, the ESPN Plus play-by-play guy for Texas State, will join us to give their side of this massive series in San Marcos this weekend between the Cajuns and the Bobcats. You know, th- this is one of those series that you always say could make or break a team because if the Cajuns can get a sweep or two out of three, you position yourself to where if you get some help, you might have a shot at winning the outright regular season championship. Not that that matters a whole lot, um, but it would look favorably in terms of the committee when it comes time to announce regionals. What would look even better is going to win the tournament championship because then you automatically qualify. Also, Cajun's softball today goes into the semifinals against Texas State. And what an absolute pitcher's duel that was. The game goes eight innings. The first run isn't scored until the top of the eighth. It was a solo shot by Raina O'Neill. Both pitchers going the distance. It was Megan Shorman, who has been electric for Louisiana, against Jessica Mullins, who was named Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year last week. Uh, Shorman didn't give up her first hit until the fifth. Ended up with five hits for Texas State, seven hits for Louisiana. 
Again, the eight run, the eighth inning with the solo home run by Raina O'Neill. Megan Schwarman comes back out to shut the door. Eight strikeouts and eight innings of work. Cajuns advance to the title game tomorrow at 2.30. James, what's on tap for you for the weekend? What, is, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm going to be covering LSU's game tonight. That first pitch that's 7.30, and you'll be able to hear it here on the game. And then I will be covering tomorrow's Sunbelt Championship for softball. And that's it. 11, I believe you said? Or is that 10.30? No, 2.30. Oh, it's at 2.30. 2.30. Oh. Cajuns would have played at 11 had they lost. Ah, okay. Yeah, championship game is at 2.30. Interesting. That might change up my plans. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Championship game is at 2.30. Um. Now, so you got LSU baseball, you got Cajuns baseball, you got Cajuns softball, you got McNeese softball. They're wrapping up today. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the Astros play this weekend. There's Saints news. I mean, to be in sports journalism right now, it, it, it's just a great time. It's a fun time. It, it's a fun time. And there's a reason why we call it the Friday Fun Show. Something always goes down on Fridays. Always. Here's the other thing that went down today. Jerry Judy. We touched on it yesterday. He was arrested and at one point yesterday afternoon was held without bond. To today getting released... Because according to the judge, they didn't have enough evidence to hold him. So he was getting released with full contact to the alleged victim. Because, again, the judge didn't see enough evidence to warrant that Jerry Judy did anything wrong. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And my my question is, can Alvin Kamara get the same judge? James? Say that one more time. Can Alvin Kamara get the same judge? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be nice. Z28, as Kevin Foote calls him. Z28. Z28. So Kevin Foote calls him. Calls He calls Alvin Kamara Z28. Like a Camaro Z28? Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that's footless you know, for you. Say that, that is your footless... Uh, That's footless my word of the day. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Z twenty eight is Alvin Kamara. The Benedict Arnolds are the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that one. That one still kind of gets me. I, I don't. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I, I think I did ask him why, and he just he gave me a reason. I just can't remember. It we, do, it it doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to him. But it's fine. I, I'm gonna be honest. I love Kevin Foot, but I half love- half of the things in his own language make no sense to me. None of them. Like I, I, I don't like when I listen to him on the on the radio, and he's like the yucks. Like who's the yucks? I'm like who are the yucks? I need a dic- I need a footless dictionary. He's like the the cheaters. I'm the, like the, who the who? It's like nah, I, I remember dude, I had to ask him like who are the cheaters? He's I, like the 49ers. I was like oh yep. I had no idea. Don't know why exactly, but okay. I was, I was very confused. But anyways. If you want to get in on the show, 706-0111, the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 
three. Tomorrow in Lake Charles, the world-famous CD will be broadcasting live from the This Is Home Festival. Under the Dome host, Clint Domain will be broadcasting his show live from 9 to 11 from Ryan Street in downtown Lake Charles. Once again, for the This Is Home Festival. There will be live music all day, food vendors, beer, and wine. So tune in from Under the Dome live from Lake Charles this Saturday or swing by and say hi to the world-famous CD. I'm hearing he's going to have some 103.7 The Game merch. T-shirts, koozies. How would you not want it? This is Home Festival in Lake Charles under the dome with CD tomorrow from 9 to 11. Let's take a timeout right here. And when we return to crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, the NBA, we're going to talk about games last night. We're going to look ahead to tonight. And we may squeeze in some NHL talk. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh! Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on a Friday fun show. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you. James, listen to this. Brendan Ertle, our, our, our guy for Who Dat Wednesdays, post on Twitter Saints go empty. MT, Jarvis, AK, Olave, Taysom Hill. Oh my God. Who are you leaving open? <laughs> You can't. Who are you, you leaving open? You can't leave any of them. <laughs> oh. God. So you so you put, I would say, you probably have an out route with Mike. You got Kamara doing an option. Jarvis is doing a slant. Taysom blocks and chips off. And then you got Chris Olave doing a post. And, and you know who we end up throwing to? Adam Troutman, who's running a five-step out and is going to get 20 yards down the sidelines. How we, how how you how we do that? What you mean? How we do that? If you got if you got Mike Mike Thomas on the outside, you got Chris Olave on the outside. You got Jarvis in the slot. You got Taysom Hill out there at tight end. You run three out to one side, two out to the other. You can't run five. You can't run five wide. And then have a tight end on the line. Mike Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. Taysom Hill. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Alvin Kamara. I'm hearing what you're saying. How is Adam Troutman getting out there? Okay, I miscounted. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to figure it out. I, I was. I, I miscounted a lineman. <laughs> Basically. I was thinking, well, you know, there's a running back out wide, so you don't have one in the backfield. So one five and five. <laughs> but then I was, matter. I was like, wait, that's ten. But no, it's not. It's eleven. I didn't count Jameis. Sorry, we're gonna uh, take out Caesar Ruiz for this play. <laughs> we're gonna run with four linemen. We're actually gonna run the the obscure play of we only have four linemen, but we have six eligible receivers. The the annexation of Puerto Rico. That's what we're gonna run. Yeah, there we go. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's talk NBA. 
last night there were a couple of, of good games. Tonight there's going to be a couple of good games. We'll start with the Heat and Sixers. The Heat winning 99-90 to to win the series and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. They will play the winner of Milwaukee and your Celtics. Jimmy Butler did what Jimmy Butler does. I mean, 32 points on 13 of 29 shooting. I mean, what what more can you ask for out of your superstar? And then you had 20 from Max Struss in, in, in a role. Not What's the word I'm looking for here? Not relief. Repetant for four? What happened? I'm talking about Max Struss scoring 20 to compliment Jimmy Butler. There, there it is. is. There, there it go. is. Now, got it. Now you're using your English language. And the 12 points from P.J. Tucker and nine rebounds from Tucker also. Has he kind of been reincarnated? What's going on with P.J. Tucker? Hey, man. You need him for those like two games in the whole playoffs? He's got you. You ask him to play three good games? No. Oh, man. Two? He's Maybe. He's got you. He's right. got you. Right. Let's go to the game hotline. Jared joins the show. Jared, what's going on, man? Hey, good afternoon, guys. I got to answer to y'all question. So, you do go five wide, and you can get Troutman on the field. You just you just have to think about how to make your team even more dangerous. When you do that, you take Jameis Winston out of the game. You put Taysom Hill at quarterback as a threat to run. Oh, and now you have a running quarterback and five receivers to cover. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so everybody goes out and then Taysom runs for 20 yards. That's what it is. Because he's not going to throw it. That's what the play is. run for 100 yards. <laughs> right, right. He probably could. I'd, so, I'd, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're thinking about, you know, with Jameis Winston at quarterback and Taysom having to be a receiver. Well, Taysom can be a, a thrower or a runner. Right. Um, and if you really want to get sick, you can you can put Taysom at quarterback and let Kamara run, kind of like a little uh, an option, and you can do an RPO where they have to they have to decide if are they where they have to respect the run, right? They gonna, and the and the other four receivers. <laughs> I mean, this could get really good. It, you know, it really could get interesting. Oh man, the Saints are winning. The Saints are winning the Super Bowl. It, no, I'm convinced the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. You know, I, I thought about saying that before I called. I think the Saints are really only two key pieces. I think the Saints can win the Super Bowl. I think they're really two key pieces away from me saying they are going to win the Super Bowl. I think they're, you know, to, to re-sign Quan Alexander and find a good running back, I'm willing to say they're a 90%, 95% Super Bowl champion. And then on top of that, if Jameis Winston comes out and continues to get better i'm willing to say with those three those three things now that you have jarvis landry if you keep calling alexander a running back and a healthy james winston i i don't see how they don't win the super bowl yeah um you know look, looking at the rookie mini camp you've got abram smith out of baylor that that they're really high on um you also have former Ragin' cajun and archbishop shaw grad trey regus at mini camp uh, who, who who could fill in and play running back for you? Correct. Um, and so, then the the Quan Alexander thing, yeah, you could go and sign him, but I think they have a lot of trust in Demarco Jackson, the fifth round linebacker. That 
and and he's a very similar player to Quan. Well, I think what Quan does, and 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 you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up after this. And I'll let you guys take somebody else. I think those things make you deeper because remember, the Saints don't get a bye until week what fourteen. Fourteen. So you're gonna need to have some depth because you're gonna have some injuries and you're gonna have some tired players. So. That's why I'm saying, the, you know, the more players, the better. The more, the merrier, guys. Yep, that's Have fair. a good afternoon and a great weekend. Thanks for taking my call. That's fair. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate you. All right. Man, you know, it, 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 like I said earlier, you don't truly think about how lethal your offense is about to be until somebody else says it. I mean, again, Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, Taysom Hill. You got an all-pro returner in Deontay Hardy. Deontay Hardy. Traquan Smith can do things from time to time. If he makes the roster. <laughs> if he makes the roster. Which, I mean, I think he's the odd man out. Uh, I think he That's is, too. Cause, or cause, or Lil Jordan Humphrey. Because, because, well, he's also the odd man out. Well, Because how, how often do teams go six wide receivers as their final Well, that's three? true. Because you're going to have Mike... Chris, Jarvis, you got to have Deontay Hardy. So it's between Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and I. I think you're going Quez, and you got to go Quez because he was your number one receiver last yeah, year. I think like he's the one Quez. that's been developing, and he's got the most potential. Exactly, he's got the most so potential. You yeah. have to. So Traquan, yeah, look, practice. We we like his. We like that he can run block, and that he'll have like an 80 yard game once every. 13 games. Right. That's cool. Right. But get out of my face. Get out of my face. Get the hell out of my locker room. Leave. You're not needed anymore. You're you're done. You're done for, kid. You're done for. All right. So, back to basketball again. Miami winning 99 to 90. For the Sixers, their final game of the year, you get 20 from Embiid, 20 from Maxi. 15 from Shake Milton, 14 from Tobias Harris. Still not enough. You only got 11 from James Harden in 43 minutes of work. Excuse me? Dude, when when are the Sixers just going to blow the whole thing up and and move on? Because every single, you know, tweak that they have made to the process hasn't worked. So at what point do you just blow up the ship and say, okay, we're going to start over? Like, trade Embiid, trade Harden, blow it up. Get draft picks and build for the future. Ooh, you know what would be interesting? What if, the, what if the Thunder trade for Embiid? I don't know what the hell they'd give up, but they got 50 million draft picks and some young <laughs> you, players. You are right. God, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Joel Embiid? And and the uh and the other kid, the other kid, the black curly hair. I forget his name. Oh my goodness! I'm going the, to the, I'm, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been so irrelevant on, the last on. two years. No, he I made am. he made an all star. Hold on, he from the name? Thunder. Yeah, oh. the kid's insane. I was saying He's, if I could get if I could get him as my point guard for the, so while, for the Pelicans, I'd love it. While you find that, I'll recap Dallas Phoenix. Phoenix, I mean Dallas Josh Giddy. That's Josh Giddy, okay, okay. He's a beast. I didn't realize he was an OKC. Yeah. No, I like Josh Giddy. I just didn't realize he was an OKC. One thirteen to eighty six last night. 
the Mavs taking down the Suns 33 out of Luka. He also got 11 boards and 8 assists. Luka Doncic is a man-child. He's a man-child. The guy is insane. How do you consistently... Like, he, he's almost averaging a triple-double in the postseason. That That's just absolutely in, insane to me. And then again, as per usual with the Suns in the playoffs, if Chris Paul and Devin Booker combine for okay numbers, neither Jay Crowder or Miles Bridges, or Mikel Bridges, should I say, show up. Paul and Booker combined for 32 points. Crowder and Bridges combined for 16. That's how it's worked in the playoffs. If Booker or Paul just do, you know, decent, they can't get help anywhere else and they end up losing. So now it's a game seven back in Phoenix and they're going to need somebody to show up because Luca looks like a man possessed. I told you. I told you. Devin Booker, he pissed off Luca in game five. Yep. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Real quickly, let's go over tonight's games. Grizzlies-Warriors game six in Golden State. Will there be a game seven? James. Say that one more time. Will there be a game seven between the Warriors and the Grizzlies? No. I don't think so. Really? You think you think the Warriors close it out at home tonight? They better. Otherwise, did you see, did you see the videos of like Draymond Green like dancing to whoop that trick as they were playing it in Memphis? Yeah, I did. So it's like I did. look, if they don't close it out tonight and let's say they don't, and then but and they still lose game seven and the Grizzlies somehow win, that's a forever meme. And I don't think that's a forever meme. I don't think that the Warriors, they're too good to let that happen. I would I would like to think so, yeah, for sure. They should. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I don't know what happened game five. I don't know how you lose by 39 without the Grizzlies' best player. Right. I don't get it, but all right, time to, <laughs> time to, time to tie your shoelaces and get going. Right. And in the series, and it, do, it doesn't need to go any longer. We'll, we'll talk later about the Celtics Grizz, Celtics Bucks because I'll give you the chance to to spread out your your conversation because I know you got a lot to say about it. <laughs> you always do. The game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising. It's the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. How would you like to score a pair of VIP passes and meet the Cold War kids? All you got to do is register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win those VIP passes for Downtown Rising on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Outside of this timeout, Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi, will join us for a preview of Ole Miss and LSU in the box tonight here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. 
Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gazamesh, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Now it's time to talk some LSU baseball from the Old Miss perspective. Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger joins us to preview the Rebels and their matchup with the Bayou Bengals. Nick, good afternoon, my man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Man, we're doing well. So, on the surface, let's talk about Ole Miss. You know, 28-19 on the year, but they are 10-14 and in the conference. This can't be the season that Mike Bianco envisioned. No, I mean, the, the simple way I've been explaining it to people is coming into the year, everyone expected Ole Miss to be winning a lot of 10-8 to ball games, and they've been losing a lot of 10-8 to ball games. The margin for error in the SEC is always very small, and there's no excuse for not being able to finish games. It's a fatal flaw for so many teams, and that's kind of the situation Ole Miss has been in, where there have been eight instances this year where they have come back from a multi-run deficit to bring the tying or go-ahead runner to the plate in the eighth inning or later, and they have lost those eight games. I mean, that's, that's eight incredibly gut-wrenching comebacks that didn't work and you flip half of those and you're looking at 12 and 12 or 14 and 10 in the sec instead of 10 and 14 you're talking about this team as a host but right now they're on the outside looking into the postseason really needing to finish these last two series against lsu and texas a&m off strong or else they'll potentially be missing the postseason now old miss is riding a four-game win streak they swept Missouri last week and then got a big win against Southern Miss Wednesday night 4-1. to How do you think they can use that momentum to go on the road into a very hostile environment at, the, at Alex Box? Yeah, I mean, we all know momentum is just your next day's pitcher, your next day's lineup. I don't know if momentum is necessarily real when you beat a Missouri team that hasn't won an SEC road game yet this year. I mean, Missouri's 0-12 on the road. Sweeping them is what it is. And Southern Miss, that's a huge win, but Southern Miss has also been scuffling as of late, and I think they're hitting 2-0-2 in their last six games. So, I mean, this isn't as if Ole Miss just came out and beat Tennessee four times in a row. They won four games, and that's really important. And I think the more important thing, less about, oh, the win streak, oh, about the momentum, is more look at the last 15 games. Look at the body of work where Ole Miss's two losses against Mississippi State, one came with the tying runner at the plate in the ninth inning, one came in the 11th inning. Their two losses against Arkansas, one came on a walk-off home run, one came with the bases loaded in the ninth inning and them down a run. I mean, these are te- this is a team that if you change four pitches, change five, five pitches ostensibly, they'd be on a 12-game win streak, and we'd be talking about them as one of the hottest teams in the country. But of course, that's not how it happened, and it's important not to frame it as if, oh, they should have won these games. Good teams don't need one pitch to win. Good teams win these games 13-2. to They're not winning these games 13-2. to They are on the margin of defeat or victory by razor thin. And so I think that's what we're going to see against LSU this weekend as well. It's a team that is good enough to hang in games, 
But the big difference between the Missouri series and the Southern Miss game compared to some of those games in the past is they're making the big defensive plays that don't burn them. They're making the pitches to get out of innings, and they're finally getting the situational hits that they haven't been able to get. Yeah, you know, timely hitting is is everything in college baseball. We've, we've heard that in Lafayette so much from the late, great Tony Robichaud at, at the University of Louisiana. Nick Suss from the Clarion Ledger joining us. Nick, you know, tonight LSU is going to throw Mikhail Hilliard, who has who has really set himself up as their most consistent pitcher, their most dominant pitcher here over the last month or so. What do you think Ole Miss's game plan is to to attack him to get an early win in this series? Yeah, so the thing that Ole Miss has actually kind of struggled with consistently this year when it comes to pitching is guys with power fastballs who can kind of pitch backwards and use their breaking ball. Now, Mikhail Hilliard has that electric, electric breaking ball. I love watching that thing loop, but he's not necessarily the power fastball type. So we'll see if Ole Miss will be able to sit on that breaking ball. I I don't know if they will. This is a team that strikes out at a high volume, and when Ole Miss is struggling offensively, it's not because they're not getting their extra base hits. It's because they're getting their extra base hits, but no one else is on base. So if they can flood the bases against Hilliard, I could see this maybe becoming a game where they sit back, they're patient, they take their walks, and then they wait for one of the four big boppers in the middle of the lineup to feast, which they've been doing these last two weeks. But we'll see We'll see how it works out because Hilliard, I mean, he's a wily veteran at this point. I'm pretty sure he's, what, 36 years old with a mortgage. He's been in the SEC so long. He's He knows what he's doing. I actually covered Mikhail Hilliard his freshman year at LSU, and I have not covered LSU in a long time. So I am excited to get to watch him pitch one last time. But it's uh yeah, I think they can get to him if if they kinda let the breaking ball be the breaking ball. But if they're out chasing, if they're trying to swing first pitch every time like they get into the habit of sometimes, it could be a very, very quick night for LSU. You know, you you talked about the, the big boppers, the big hitters for Ole Miss. Tim Elko comes to mind. Kemp Alderman yeah. as well and Justin Bench. You know, how how have these three guys, especially in conference, been able to really just power this Ole Miss lineup? Well, I don't know if I'd call Justin Bench a bopper. I think his slugging percentage is like 395. He's a really good leadoff hitter, and he's kind of set the table for them. But you look at this team built around Jacob Gonzalez, who was freshman of the year last year, who I think has 14 home runs and an OPS above 900 this year. Tim Elko, who's probably going to be first team all SEC, he's in 370 in SEC play, dude has 17 home runs. He has been the best hitter on this team by far and away in SEC play. I think there was a point heading into last week where he had a SEC batting average 100 points higher than their next best hitter. He's been that good. And then uh, Jacob, sorry, Kevin Graham and Kemp Alderman, your four and five hitters, have been white hot since the Missouri series started. They have been the two guys that are really riding the lightning there. I think they've combined for 18 hits and five homers with like 14 RBIs since the start of the Missouri series. Kevin Graham has three homers in his last two games. Kemp has two in his last four. And I mean, I saw Kemp Alderman hit a 481-foot home run this season. So if he gets the right pitch to hit, I, I don't think there's 
there are many people in the SEC stronger than him. So uh, we'll see how the ball flies. I know it's going to be kind of damp conditions in South Louisiana, as it seems to always be. So that might uh, put a damper on some of the balls that can fly. But, I mean, last time Ole Miss and LSU played in Baton Rouge, we had some marathon, marathon games with home run after home run. I think there was a point where LSU hit back-to-back-to-back homers in the ninth inning all toward the Intimidator, and they still lost that game just to show you how well the ball can fly when these two teams play. So I would not be shocked to see some of LSU's big hitters and some of Ole Miss's big hitters kind of spend some to the bayou. Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger joining us. Nick, talk to me about some of Ole Miss's pitching. You know, what can Tiger fans expect out of their pitching staff this weekend? Yeah, so Ole Miss's pitching staff was a big, big weakness through the first seven, eight weeks of the season. They've kind of figured it out as they've done more with less. Uh, Dylan DeLucia has established himself as their bona fide ace uh, at the beginning of the rotation through, I think he's thrown five starts as an SEC pitcher. Ole Miss has won all five of those games, which is nothing to scoff at when they have 10 SEC wins. And in four of those, he's gone six and a third or longer, including seven and a third, seven and two thirds in a complete game. He's a dude who floods the strike zone, doesn't walk many batters, doesn't really try to strike out too many batters, just tries to trust the defense and keep it in the yard. He's susceptible to the homer, but uh, that hasn't bit him as much since the Tennessee series. And Tennessee's kind of done that to everybody. So we will see uh, what he can do. And then beyond him, Hunter Elliott's a freshman who is kind of the light beer version of Doug Nikhazy at this point. He's your lefty who can throw 89 to 91, has that big looping curveball like Doug did, kind of the wily guy who will kind of pitch his way craftily through lineups. And he's had his two best starts the season the last two weeks once going five innings and the other going seven, I believe. It could have been six. And then Derek Diamond on Sundays is a fantastic, fantastic opener that Ole Miss, for some reason, refuses to use as an opener. Nobody scores on Derek Diamond in the first two or three innings, and then everybody scores on Derek Diamond in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. So we will see how Ole Miss decides to use him. And then the bullpen is kind of top-heavy. I think that Brandon Johnson, their closer, who throws 96 and strikes out about 33% of the batters he faces, is going to do his thing. Beyond that, Jack Washburn and John Gaddis have had two pretty good outings each since returning from injury, and they've got a couple of other guys they trust that they can use here and there, like uh, Mason Nichols or uh, Jack Doherty or Jackson Kimbrell, Josh Mallett, some of these guys. But we will see just how available they are this weekend after all almost all of them through against Southern Miss two days ago. Yeah, you know, one guy I, I want to touch on, he's a he's a Lafayette kid, Drew McDaniel. Yeah. Uh, you know, has a 4.73 ERA on the year, 5-2 and two record, but in conference, it just doesn't seem like he's been able to really get it going. Uh, what's been the story with Drew? Well, the bad news for uh, Lafayette fans who would want to see Drew this weekend is uh, he pitched like 90 pitches on Wednesday. So it seems unlikely that he'll throw at any point. But the story on him is they started him as the Sunday starter to start this year. It didn't work very well. He's a guy who, when the bases are empty, is incredible. He's got the stuff that he can keep people off the bases. But 
the second traffic came on, I think there was a point in the year where he was allowing like 58% of the people he let on base to score. It was just he could not keep people who got on base from scoring. And he has figured that out and become a pretty solid asset as a midweek starter. He beat Mississippi State in the midweek. He beat Southern Miss in the midweek. He has kind of figured out how to control himself there because he's a fly ball pitcher and fly ball pitchers don't survive too well at Swayze. So when they've gone to these midweek games at Pearl, where the Mississippi Braves play, or at Southern Miss, where the park's a little larger, he's kept it in the yard a little bit more and has kind of found his groove. And I honestly think that he's earned the right to pitch a little bit more on the SEC weekends, but they kind of like him in the role they have him right now. And the dude has been, I think he had nine strikeouts against Southern Miss the other day, and Southern Miss hadn't struck out more than 13 times in a game period all year. They struck out 15 times on Wednesday against Ole Miss's pitching. So McDaniel was a big factor in that. And if he comes back again for next season, he's going to contend for a weekend spot again. And we'll see if he can kind of translate those improvements from learning in the midweek this year to finding value next year. Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger has been our guest. Nick, I've got one more for you. Seven games left in the season, three of those being this weekend against LSU. You'll also face Arkansas State, who has struggled, and then you will close the season out with Texas A&M. Out of those last seven, how many games do you think Ole Miss has to win to you know, kind of put themselves back in the postseason conversation? I think the answer is probably five. If you get to 14 and 16 in league play with a win over Arkansas State, then your RPI is probably up around 35 to 40. Right now it's at 47. And if they get in that striking distance of 35 heading into SEC play, I think they will be firmly on the bubble. If they only get three SEC wins, if they're stuck at 13 and 17, there is a way in. It's not unprecedented. Teams teams have made it to the NCAA tournament out of the SEC with a 13-17 and 17 record before, but their RPI needs to be up around 30 for that to happen. So they're going to need a lot of help in the next couple of weeks from teams like Alabama, which they lost to three times, but Alabama's teetering on that 50 above, 50 below RPI range. Teams like Southern Miss that are teetering above 25, below 25, they're going to need the teams on their resume to finish strong in order for their RPI to not suffer if they lose those games. And then obviously they're going to need to win a lot of games in Hoover, which as much as people have joked, it's the LSU Invitational. Ole Miss is the other team that has had a lot, a lot of success in Hoover under Mike Bianco. Those are the two coaches, Maneri and Bianco, who have always seemed to try their darndest to win in Hoover. So we'll see if Jay Johnson continues that for LSU, but Bianco is never going to just wash his hands of Hoover. They're going to try to win as many games as they can. Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger has been our guest. Nick, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoyed the insight on Ole Miss. Have a great weekend back in Baton Rouge, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Appreciate it. Before we run, LSU Eunice is celebrating and supporting our local veterans this Saturday with Vet Fest. There will be a benefits symposium, a job and resources fair, food and beverages, and live music from Dustin Saunier and The Wanted and Gino Delafosse and French Rock and Boogie. Veterans eat free. Vet Fest at LSUE is this Saturday. We'll take a time out and wrap up hour number one on the other side. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. Getting jiggy with it. 
on this Friday. If you're watching the simulcast, you can you can see me dancing like a fool. Stating 32.3 and channel 133 on AUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111 if you want to chime in on the show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's take a look at the poll question. How do you feel about Jarvis Landry coming home to the Saints? Do you love it? Do Is it meh? Or, you know, how, how are you feeling about it? Robert Duplichan chimes in and says, hell yeah. James, you seem giddy about it. How could I not be? How could you not be? This is the best receiving core the Saints have ever had. This is the best receiving core the Saints. And have like, ever. like, please, tell me which one. Tell me what, what's a better one. Well, you, you I love. Look, I love Lance Moore. I love Deborah Henderson. I literally have a ball signed by Deborah Henderson. I love Colston. Not a better core, but than it's this. but it's not a better core than this, man. No, I I agree. Ton comes in on Twitter. Saints go undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl. Oh. Or at least win twelve games. Okay, there you go. I was gonna say. Look, I'd love it to be. I'd love to be seventeen and zero. Could you imagine going seventeen and zero? That'd be great. I'd love it. But I don't know if that's. Uh, I mean, no one's gone seventeen and zero, unless you count the Dolphins. But that count. But you're counting well, the playoffs. Well, and and then the the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season, and that was sixteen and zero, and they lost well, in the Super Bowl. True. No, that was sixteen and zero. So. No one's going 17-0 in the regular season. And then Jordan Whitley comments on the poll question as well with a screenshot of the poll question with his vote registered. He voted love it, who dat? So I guess we know where, where Jordan or Joshua stands on the Jarvis Landry signing. Hour number one, come and gone already. Hour number two, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Cajuns, will join us for Cajuns Corner, and then Brant Freeman will give you his take <coughs> on the Texas. <coughs> excuse me, on the Texas State series. On the other side of this top of the hour sports update, crunch time with Miguel and Mesh on the game. One three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two of two. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, listen to our boy Andrew Juge. Man, with these receivers, we might have won with Trevor Simeon. Uh, ooh. You know what? It's not that bad of a take. It's not. That's not. because Truly not. Because, look, they absolutely got pooed on against Philly. They got pooed on. But they were able to rally and actually make it within 12 points. So, who knows? Maybe they would have gone like 3-1. and one. Or, or like at worst, two and two with Trevor Simeon if he would actually have like receivers to throw to. And also, I'm retweeting a video on the game's Twitter page. There is a scary looking thunderstorm that passed over Alex Box a few minutes ago. Oh, um, 
as of now, the game is still scheduled for 7.30. But according to Scott Rabelais, they will keep, he will keep us posted on what's going to happen there. Let's transition to Cajuns now. Cajuns have a big three-game series in San Marcos against the 15th-ranked Texas State Bobcats. So we figured why go anywhere else for the information other than to the Jaybird. It's time for the Cadence Corner. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The Jay Bird, Jay Walker, joining us from beautiful San Marcos, Texas. How are you, sir? I'm good, but I'm actually lying in, the, in a hammock uh, right by the 10th hole of a golf course. On the 10th hole of a golf course? Yeah. yeah. God, it must be nice to be Jay Walker. Uh, it is today. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, we'll, uh, we'll be ready to go. Uh, we'll get into San Marcos later tonight, visiting with some friends. and We'll be ready to go for the game uh, this evening. All right, Jay. You know, a 16-6 to mercy rule last night or, or Wednesday night over Rice. And... It was an interesting dynamic in this game because you were missing your, you know, your best player in Carson Rockefort, who was attending his grandfather's funeral, and you had, you had contributions from other guys. You know, Kyle DeBar stepped up with a couple of big hits. Heath Hood had a homer and a triple. How big was it to get contributions from those other guys in the absence of Rockefort? Well, you know, you, you had to have some guys step up, and, and guys did. And, you know, you mentioned DeBarge and Hood, but those guys have been swinging the bat really well over the last 10 games. You know, what you got last night was you got a couple of hits from Jonathan Brandon. You had a three-hit night from uh, Bobby Lede. You had Vail, who uh, who had a couple of hits and, and drove in three runs. And these are guys that haven't made great contributions this season, but they did last night. And that's why the Cajuns were able to go ahead and get the run rule. So now, looking at the schedule since the LSU loss, the the Cajuns have been on a on a ten and one tear with their one loss coming that that Sunday to App State. Now you're going to face one of your toughest tests of the entire year this weekend in in number fifteen Texas State. What do you think the mindset is for this team this weekend, and and, what, and what's the goal? Let me, let me tell you something that, that's happened uh, over the last however many games that's very important. The Cajuns have won on the road, and they've won on the road on a regular basis. This team now has 14 true road wins this season. And once again, when it's time for the committee to sit down, you know, they'll tell you, you know, unless you're hosting, you don't, you don't get to play your games at home. How did you do away from home this year? And the Cajuns are now 14-7 and uh, away from uh, Russo Park uh, in true road games. And now you've got an opportunity to pick up one, two, three more road wins against a quality opponent. And you've got a chance to get right back in the conference race if you can win the series. Um, So this is is big for a lot of reasons. We all know it's big because you're playing the first-place team. But, but again, a chance to pad your resume with more road wins, and that's a big deal to the committee. 
chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Jay, you know, talking about the Bobcats again, 38 and 11, 20 and 4 in the Sun Belt, and they're led by Dalton Sheffield, a 387 average, 10 homers, 4 RBIs, slugging at a 683 clip. I mean, you know, looking at the, the Sun Belt as a whole, it's Sheffield, Rockefort, and Miles Simington from South Alabama. Are, they, they've got to be the top three guys for Sunbelt Player of the Year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out Ryerson at uh, at Georgia State either. He's got 19 home runs, um, but but you're right. I mean, those are those are the guys. Now, personally, I think Sheffield is going to win that award, and uh, if, if for no other reason than he's the guy that's on the first place team. Uh, but he's having a great season. He's been flirting with 400 all year in conference play. He's hitting over 400. He is a, he's a he's a complete player. He's their shortstop. John Wethridge, uh, who plays the outfield, is another outstanding player for them. Uh, you know, Texas State's hit 69 home runs this year. The vast majority of them have come in the Bobcat ballpark, uh, which has a gesturing that blows out to left field. It's ironic that the Cajuns have got, I think, 43 home runs, and the majority of them have come away from Russo Park. So, you know, I hope the pitchers don't get a crick in their neck this weekend because both of these teams have the capability of hitting a lot of balls out of the ballpark. And I think that this series is really going to fall into pitching this weekend. You know, uh, that that brings me into my next point, looking at the Bobcats starting pitching. You got Levi Wells and, and Zeke Wood, who have both had phenomenal years, ERAs both under three, six and one for Wells, five and one for Wood. 65 strikeouts for Wells, 73 for Wood. How important has it been for the Bobcats to to really lean on these two guys in Friday and Saturday roles? They don't have, and if there's if there's one thing about Texas State that gives you pause, they don't have a very deep pitching staff. The two guys you mentioned are going to give them a chance to win on Friday and Saturday. Their Sunday starter has been a question mark all year long. And they go about three deep in the bullpen. Stivers is their big guy. You know, he's got six wins and I think 11 saves. Um, and and he's, you know, gone out and, and dominated against some very good teams. He's also made some mistakes and given up some home runs late in games that have hurt him. And then they got another guy, um, and, and his name is going to escape me. But, but he's vultured eight wins. He's not a starter. But he's come in if the starting pitching doesn't ha- don't, doesn't have it, he can come in and give you five or six uh, innings, and then the, their team comes back to win and he gets a win. And I want to say he's eight zero this year. Yeah, Tristan Dixon. So, yeah, so you got those four guys, but the question mark is who's the Sunday starter? Because there's a big drop off after the first two, and they really haven't been able to answer that question. And that is the one question about Texas State that everybody has when it comes down to a tournament situation. And you have to go three, four deep in your pitching staff. They're going to have an underbelly when that happens. But for now, they're a team that's uh, solidly a number two seed. Uh, and they, they, now they still have the Cajuns this weekend. And then they got to go to Atlanta next weekend. So those guys haven't won anything yet. But they're a very good ball club. They play very well at home, and they got two guys in front of the rotation that are really good. Chatting with Jay Walker here in Cajun's Corner. Jay, you know, I know that your your first thought when I ask you this question is probably going to be, well, they have to win all three, right? Realistically, 
How many games of this series do the Cajuns have to win to keep themselves in good position for an at-large bid in the regional? I think winning the, I think winning the series is important. Um, I, I don't think that you have to sweep the series to stay in the, in the conversation. Uh, sweeping the series would, would put you even with Texas State, um, and the people at Georgia Southern would love us to death because they've got the easiest schedule the rest of the way. Uh, they go to Little Rock this weekend, and then they have UTA at home. Um, so I don't know if the Cajuns are going to be able to win the outright championship because they're going to need some help, even if they sweep. But um, I think winning the series is very important. I, I, I don't think that the Cajuns are going to play themselves out of an at-large bid. If they go 1-2, and two, it would behoove them not to go 0-3. Are there any injuries for the Cajuns that that haven't come to light yet that uh, that you have found out about recently? No, Veyon's hand is getting better. Uh, he's swinging the bat better as a result. He was the one guy that uh, that was a question mark. Um, you know, I think everybody else is uh, uh, is no different from what they've been the last three or four weeks. So I think the guys who were healthy three or four weeks ago are healthy now. All right, Jay. Postseason projections. D one baseball came out the other day. And, and has Louisiana as a three-seed in College Station. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, put me as a three-seed wherever the hell you want to, okay? I mean, I don't care. I'll go to College Station. I'll go, I'll go I, don't, I don't know, who's the number one team? Tennessee? Put me in Knoxville. I don't care. Um, I, you know, I think the thing about projections that you have to remember, and right now D1 baseball has Cajuns uh, – as one of the last two in. When the conference tournaments come, you're going to have some stolen bids. You're going to have some teams that come out of nowhere to win their conference tournament, and then the team that was already comfortably in uh, is going to also get in, and that's what they call a stolen bid. So I think that's why it's important for the Cajuns to win the series, uh, because they need to solidify their their position as far as the pecking order for an at-large bid is concerned. You know, if, if you go into the conference tournaments as one of the last two teams in, you're not getting in unless you win your tournament because there are going to be enough stolen bids to knock you out. So I, I think that's something that everybody needs to remember. And it's, and it's why that these, these projections, look, they're fun. It's like bracketology and basketball. This stuff is really fun to keep track of. But it's not, it's not, the, it's not the know-all, the end-all. And, you know, D1 baseball, nobody on that uh, – uh, on that staff is uh, is on the selection committee. So take everything with a grain of salt. Jay Walker, a couple more before I let you run. Give me your thoughts on, on Cajun softball winning four to two yesterday and then run ruling Troy today nine to one. You know, as as I've said, um, this is the most impressive conference championship I think the Cajuns have had to see how far they have come since the beginning of the season. They are playing their best softball right now. And, you know, they're going to get sent somewhere for a regional. And I'm just here to tell you, I think any place that they go, the number one seed is going to be very uh, uh, leery uh, of the Cajuns because this team's a lot better than its record. They're playing excellent softball right now. They're they're getting it done at the plate. They're getting it done in the circle. Um, I, I just I'm just very impressed with this team and what they've been able to accomplish. I think it's Jerry Glasgow's best coaching job. 
I think it's the best coaching job for a Cajun softball team in years and years and years. That's how impressive this, this championship is to me when you consider the youth of this team. Longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, has joined us for Cajuns Corner. Jay, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great weekend in San Marcos. And as always, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. You got it, brother. Thanks so much. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 13th, 1893. The first intercollegiate athletic contest in LSU history takes place. In connection with Military Field Day, the LSU baseball team takes on Tulane and wins the contest 10 to 8. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. Tom Cruise, live and in living color. And you can see it before anybody else. All you got to do is text Top Gun, all one word, to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683. Score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys in the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Another reason that you would want to sign up to try and win those tickets is that your boys Miguez and Mesh will be there. So if you ever if you're sitting there at home right now listening to the show and you say, I'd really like to meet Matt and James, you can do that. You know, James, we're we're becoming celebrities now. Like that that's kind of what's happening in our lives. Let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away. He let's says. let's calm down just <laughs> let's come back to earth a little bit, bud. Um all right, so Chris Olave is at rookie camp wearing number twelve. And it looks pretty good on him. Not I, even gonna lie. I don't know. I'll be honest. I used to like Kenny Stills, but after what happened last year with him, anytime I see twelve in a Saints uniform, it, it scares you. It and and you I, know, I keep going back to last year, and it's, I'm glad stop. I'm glad you bring up things that scare you because there's my next question. In honor of Friday the Thirteenth. Well, I didn't say it scared me; it just irked me. Whatever. But in in honor of Friday the Thirteenth, James, what scares you the most in life? I don't know if I should answer this legitly or like just make this a joke. You can do it either, the, can do it either way. I or both ways. I mean, we we we. I'm scared the Celtics season will end tonight. Okay, and then what's the real answer? Or is that your real answer? No, that that one's the joke. Because if they lose, I mean, oh well. I mean, we'll just be we'll just be back next year. What do you What are you scared of? Uh, legitly. What worries me is, I don't know how to put this into words. How about you go all, I think? I'm deathly terrified of snakes and wasps. I don't like snakes because, you know, you ever watch snakes on a plane? It's scary. No, I didn't see it. Um, And then wasp I'm allergic to, so not a fan of that either. I swell up like a balloon. That that is understandable. So, yeah, not, not not a huge wasp guy. Not a big wasp guy. Not a big wasp guy. No. No. What about bees? 
You know, I've never really had an issue with bees. I've never been stung by one. Um, so you don't know if you're allergic I don't. to that either? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Okay. Um. So I'm indifferent on bees. Indifferent. That's fair. Yeah. So what are you scared of? Um, I'm worried I will never be fully satisfied with life. Oh, wow. I told, we, I told we you, got, did you want the got, joke or did you got, want a legit answer? We got deep there. Yeah. James, why, why won't... Buddy. I don't know. I've just never found myself to be like fully satisfied with buddy. anything because I've always seen it's like, well, I've always had that mindset of, well, you did good, but there's always room to improve. There's always room to improve, but that doesn't mean you can't be satisfied. You just, Sat- you just have, you just satis- have to grow. Satisfied means like you're good. And I, I feel like I'm I'm never like good enough. You know what I mean? Well, I'm here to tell you in honor of mental health awareness month. <laughs> I don't have I don't have a mental health problem. I'm here I'm to tell saying. you I'm here to tell you that you are. You are good enough. I just feel like I could always do better. So that's why it's like because it, if I feel like I'm satisfied, then I'm I'm gonna feel lazy and just not do stuff. All right, I I don't want to sound rude, but we are turning this into a therapy session, <laughs> and we we probably shouldn't do that. So let's get let let's try and have a conversation that might make you feel better. Uh, give give me some reasons as to why the Celtics are gonna win tonight and, and make it a game seven while the lights flicker. Yeah, that one that one got me for a second. Is it about to rain over here too? Yeah, it is. I thought so. I, I felt it. Yeah, it is. I kind of feel like my dog because he always felt the barometric pressure changing. I always go hide on the side of a toilet whenever it rained <laughs> or thundered. Shout out Nemo. He's sixteen. Whoa! Yeah, that's old for a dog. Oh, he's he's got rotting teeth. It's insane. <laughs> Talk about the Celtics. All right. So, like I said before, they've given up two games. They're four and one in the playoffs when one of their starters is out. Right. I can't see. I can't see them. I can't see the Bucks not having Chris Middleton this whole series, and they beat this the Bucks in six. I mean, they beat the Celtics in six. I can't see it. The Celtics, they've gone too far for them to lose in six to a Bucks team where they've struggled to score offensively pretty much this whole series. Like, it's been neck and neck. They've been at each other. It's been super aggressive. It's it's taken Drew Holiday to, like, play like prime MJ for them to eke out these wins. Giannis is going to score 40 regardless because he's eight foot eleven and can reach from the half court line and make a layup. Right. So that's that's whatever. I, I can live with Giannis scoring 40 because he's just a cheat code. It's weird. I don't get it. But the fact that Drew Holiday has, in my eyes, played better than he ever did at the Pelicans. I don't know why. What I don't know what about playing with Giannis and in Milwaukee makes him turn up a whole nother level, but I, I feel like you got to take it back to Boston for game seven. You have to, obviously, but I can't see this team going down in six. I just can't see it. Now, if you if you see it going to seven, do you see them winning it in seven? I think it all depends on how this game goes. Because if it feels like if I if I'm sensing maybe fatigue from one team or the other, then that'll give me the urge to be like, okay, well, this team, this other team, if it right. if the Celtics do win tonight, then I will say this team will win game seven because it feels like, well, 
Giannis has just been on the floor. He wasn't on the floor a lot the other night, but in like games three and four, it's felt like he's he's just been on the floor a bunch because he's going for everything. He's super tired. It feels like he he probably never gets tired, or like he'll never be fully fatigued and just can't go because he's just got that mindset. But I feel like let's say let's say they do win. Let's say the Bucks either win tonight or they win on Sunday. I believe they would play. Yeah. Let's say let's let's say just the Bucks advance. Okay. It feels like them playing the Heat. I feel like it's going to give them fits, and I feel like at some point uh-huh. once they once they hit the the game five, I feel like Giannis just he he'll have to unlock Flattens something out. else. Yep. He'll have to unlock a whole nother level for them to actually make it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, while I'm scrolling through Twitter, shout out to McNeese Softball winning the Southland Conference Tournament today. So they they posted a picture on their Twitter page, and it's a celebration with two trophies. One is the regular season championship trophy, and then one is the tournament championship trophy. That is an ultimate flex. So congratulations to them on that. James, quickly, NHL tonight. New York-Pittsburgh. Does Pittsburgh advance? Wait, I have to pull up the scores now. You threw me off. Oh, man. Okay, so at 6, you got the Penguins and the Rangers. At 8.30, you've got Calgary-Dallas. And then at 6.30, you've got Florida and Washington. Pittsburgh is up 3-2 in their series with the Rangers. They're playing in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh closes it out. And it, it pains me to say that because I'm a Capitals fan. But I, I think I think the Penguins get it done. Give me Penguins as well in this one. Calgary, Dallas. Again, kind of more of the same. Calgary up 3-2. They're in Dallas. Can Dallas force the game seven? I think they can. I say they do. I think they can. I say they force the game seven. Um that that's been a great series. I mean, if you look you look at the games, one nothing, two nothing, four two. Four one three one. It's just been entertaining, good hockey, and then of course the Panthers and Capitals in Washington. A three two lead for Florida. This might sound homerish, but give me my caps. I'm gonna take the Panthers. God, whatever. Let's take a time out. When we return, Brant Freeman, the play by play voice for Texas State, will join us to discuss the Bobcats and their matchup with the Cajuns. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, and Mesh, here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Met Miguez, James Mesh. And now it's time to, earlier you got the perspective of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns from the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, like we do each and every Thursday in Cajuns Corner. Now it's time to get some insider information and get some insight into the Sunbelt leaders. The Bobcats of Texas State, 38-11 and 11 on the year. 
looking primed and ready to be the top seed in the Sun Belt tournament and maybe make some noise in the postseason. Brant Freeman, the ESPN Plus voice of the Bobcats, joins us. Brant, good afternoon, my man. How are you? Doing good, guys. How are y'all? Man, we're doing well. We're doing well. So for for our listeners that, that might not know too much about the Texas State Bobcats, kind of walk us through the, the season as a whole and how you guys got to this point. Sure. Well, you know, for those that um, aren't that familiar with uh, the program, um, in 2019, they won the regular season championship in the Sun Belt. It was their first ever since they joined the league in 2014. And um, we're feeling really good, even with a, a change to the coaching position. Ty Harrington had retired after 20 years and handed things over to his longtime assistant, Steve Trout. And um, that 2020 year, they're out to a great start. So it seemed like a very seamless transition from Harrington to Trout. They were 14 4 uh, before. Uh, the pandemic shut down the year. So unfortunate to see the season come to an abrupt end, uh, but thought, you know, the, the program's only, only going to get better from here. Well, a year ago, with a lot of guys electing to return that otherwise would have had their eligibility end at the end of the 2020 year, um, you thought all oh, that experience coming back, they'll be one of the top teams in the conference in 2021, and it just didn't happen. Uh, 21 and 36, 15 games under 500, worst uh, win loss record in program history. And a lot of people were scratching their heads. You, you know, how did things get away from the program after two great years, really a good season and a third? You know, uh, how could it bottom out like this? Uh, they went from being picked to win the West to finishing dead last in the Sun Belt. Um, well, uh, they had um, some new talent come in couple talented freshmen. Some of the guys that were returning from the year prior uh, had gotten better over the offseason. And um, whatever uh, got in their way the year prior has not been an issue this year. You know, they've increased their win total by 17. Uh, they were a 5-17 and 17 team on the road a year ago. They're sitting at 15-5 and five right now, 23-6 and six at home after having a, a losing record at home a year ago. Um, they went from last in the Sun Belt to first right now, a 20 and four record. And what really blows my mind is that they have yet to lose a Sun Belt road game this year. 12 and 0, four Sun Belt series on the road, four sweeps, and you know they've gotten it done from their uh, top two starters in the rotation back into the bullpen with uh, Tristan Stivers and Tristan Dixon has been maybe the best one-two back in bullpen combo in the league. Um, their their offense has been unreal, led by Don Sheffield, who's certainly in the conversation for Player of the Year. So there's not many weaknesses on this team right now, and you know so far they're enjoying it. But you know there's still work to be done. You know, looking at the Bobcats' schedule early in the year, you swept Ohio State, which you know they're not really top heavy in baseball, but it's a Big Ten opponent. So you know you'll take what you can get. And then you you win two out of three against Arizona, who was number 11 at the time. And then you turn right around two days later and you, you sweep with Tex, you split with Texas, who was the number mm-hmm. one team at the time. My question is, you know, getting those wins against those bigger opponents early on, how do you think that helped the Bobcats, you know, kind of fuel their momentum to where they are now? I think it helped a lot. You know, the schedule a year ago was more challenging. Um, there, there was power five opposition from a year ago, but it was stiffer than, say, Ohio State. 
you know, but play, but but even when you when you sweep in Ohio State, even though maybe they're not, you know, on the same Power Five level as say in Arizona or Texas, you know, just just the name Ohio State means something, um, and so I think that sweep certainly you know helped with the confidence and maybe even more so going to Tucson, dropping the first game, winning the final two against you know a top fifteen caliber program. You know, really opened some eyes, and um, and then the home and home with Texas, two of the more electric atmospheres I've ever seen. You know, with with this program, they had a record crowd in San Marcos for the game uh, at home against Texas, which the Longhorns won, and then there was uh, I think more than seven thousand there for the game in Austin, the game that the Bobcats won. So they played in front of collectively more than ten thousand fans. And those two games, two games that came down to the final pitch, and you know, they, it, it showed that they belong, you know, among the country's best, and they've been a top twenty-five program ever since then. And certainly, yeah, I would say everything they did going into Sunbelt play really helps, uh, you know, with some momentum to get conference play going. And here they are now, twenty-four games in with a twenty-and-four record, and I think you could could point back to the games in, in late February, early March that helped uh, help them get, get helped get them to where they are now. Chat with Brant Freeman, the play-by-play voice on ESPN Plus for the Bobcats. Looking at the roster, Brant, there's only eight seniors on this roster, which might sound like a lot, but when you have a you know 25 to 30 man roster, eight's not too bad. You know, a lot of your a lot of your core is going to be back next season. How confident are are you and the coaching staff that that this can continue into into the future? I would see, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves, and certainly the team is looking at, at this year and this year only. But you have a year like this, and and you got you folks in Lafayette know this. You, you know, when, when you when you can show recruits success and a foundation of it, you know, it's going to draw, garner interest, maybe from players you otherwise would not have been able to recruit. So the fact they're coming off such a down year and got some talented freshmen in, what will recruiting look like for them coming off a year like this? So you would think that. Um, even though you're you, you, you're only losing, as you say, eight seniors, but it's eight pretty big ones to include Sheffield and John Wuthrich, um, you know, uh, and uh, Justin Thompson, their top three hitters. Um, with everything they have coming back, with the, with the recruits they've already gotten verbally committed to the program, you like to think this is the beginning of something special where they where they could be a top four program with the Sun Belt for years to come, and that's no small feat when you look at. Louisiana, and you look at Coastal Carolina, and you, and you look at the, the influx of teams coming in, and by the and also include Georgia Southern in that conversation with the year they're having. But you're adding Southern Miss and Old Dominion. Um, you know, it's tough to stay atop the Sun Belt or near it. So hopefully, you know, this year kind of springboards them into that conversation, not just for 2022, but for the next several years to come. Looking at the statistics, you know, you talked about Dalton Sheffield more than likely going to be the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. I mean, a 387 batting average, an OPS over one, 10 home runs, 40 RBIs, a slugging percentage of 683. He's 12 of 14 on stolen bases. How special has it been to be able to watch a guy like that compete for the Bobcats day in and day out? You know, it's. I think he's arguably having one of the greatest seasons in the history of the program. Um, certainly since the bats changed, you know, 10 years ago or so now that it is. And I think that the only season you could really compare it to, it was Paul Goldschmidt's in 2009, which of course is saying a lot 
knowing who Goldschmidt is now, but you know, in the, at, at the time too, you knew what, what you were witnessing was special. Thirteen years ago with him, and it's not as if this came out of nowhere. Sheffield was a very good player. You know, his first three seasons didn't quite get the recognition that maybe many thought he deserved because he was always considered to be one of the better players in the Sun Belt, and, and he wasn't an All Conference uh, uh, player a year ago. Wasn't named preseason All Sun Belt going into this year, and. I think he's played with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, this season because of that. And and he's having a remarkable year, five-tool player, you know, where he can hit for power, hit for average, run the base as well, and you know, plays really good defense. He can field and throw, and and uh, from a you know a very premium position of shortstop. And honestly, I think it's a, a two or three-man race right now for Player of the Year. Carson Rockerford certainly belongs in that conversation for the Cajuns. Miles Simington for South Alabama and Dalton Sheffield are the three people I think are up for the award this year. And, and it's been really something to watch. He is one of those eight seniors you alluded to. So if you're a Bobcat fan, you better soak it in because it's not going to last much longer. Yeah, no, no question about it. And I definitely agree with the with you on the three players that are in the race for, for player of the year. Brant, looking at the Bobcat pitching staff, that's one thing that, that's really caught my eye looking at this team because, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that, that have great offense and great hitting, but the pitching is just not quite there. You know, might be a little inconsistent, the Cajuns being one of them. Pitching has been inconsistent mm-hmm. for most of the season. Levi Wells and Zeke Wood are two starters that have that have shown up for, for the Bobcats time and time again. I mean, both have an ERA under three. Both of them carry a, you know, mm-hmm. five and one win loss record and a six and one win loss record. You know, talk to me about those two guys and how crucial they've been to Trout's pitching staff. Yeah, as great as the offense has been this year, you guys know this, uh, good pitching beats good hitting. And there are games in which this lineup gets shut down. You know, they have an off night, so you have to win that 3-1 that to one kind of game. And that's where guys like uh, Wells and Wood have, have, have come through. And, and Zeke Wood's first start of the year struck out a dozen, you know, against Utah Valley. It was Utah Valley, but still... He, you know, you saw him perform in his first ever opening day start, you know, and thought, wow, maybe there could be something to this guy. And, you know, he's kind of held strong in that Friday role all year long and looks every part of a Friday night starter. Didn't pitch his best last week against ULM, but it happens, and the, and the bullpen came through for him. And then Levi Wells has been maybe the best Saturday guy in the league this year, um, you know, with what he's done. Just named Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week and a transfer from Texas Tech and they feel really good about their one-two combo, but I will say, you know, and this is probably the case for everybody in the Sun Belt. After you get past your top two starters, there's there's inconsistency there. The Bobcats have flip-flopped with their Sunday starter um, uh, throughout the season. Their midweek rotations been the same. They haven't stuck with the same guy, and and outside of their top two relievers, there's question marks there as well. So when whenever they get to Montgomery. They feel great about the chances in games one and two, the first they'll play. After that, how will the pitching hold up? That's going to be something to watch, not just for them, but I would think with the other contenders in the league to include the Cajuns, the Eagles, and the Shawna Clears. Chatting with Brant Freeman, the play-by-play voice on ESPN Plus for the Bobcats. Brant, in doing your research on the Cajuns preparing for this series, what do you find that the Cajuns do well that could give Texas State some fits? Speed. They're just they're just so darn fast in the base pass. What's funny is that um, I haven't looked this up, but I want to. It, between baseball and softball, 
the programs for Louisiana have to lead the nation in stolen bases. It's got to be around 300 now or something like that. It's it's insane how how well you people run in Lafayette, apparently. Um, but, this, you know, the aggressiveness on the base pass and the efficiency in which they steal bases, anytime a Cajun gets on base, that pitcher is going to be doing a lot of thinking on the mound. And when when that happens, it takes your attention away from the batter at the plate. And and because so many players can run, anytime anybody is on base, you can't relax if you're the opposing pitching staff. Um, I know this isn't a Cajun team that relies a ton on power or walks, you know, but they hit it a decent average, 275. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, earlier, Rockerford, who's a huge threat, and you got you know, Connor Kemple and Tyler Robertson, also really good bats. And, you know, Max Marshock has is, is, had a good bat this year, and Heath Hood's on a good stretch. And, you know, so this lineup is starting to pick things up right now. And in addition to facing the Cajuns pitching, which has always been good, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the base running that really has to concern you if you're Texas State, and also th- I don't think Louisiana's team is going to beat itself. They don't commit a ton of errors, solid defensively, you know. So, like, are, are you can you beat Louisiana without them giving you help? That's going to be the challenge for them this weekend. Now, I, I, I did the liberty of, of looking it up for you. Softball has okay. 128 stolen bases on the year, and then baseball has mm-hmm. 107. Okay, so 235 between two teams. Right. That is um that's a lot of thefts out there for the Cajuns. Yeah, I mean, we're we're just we're good at swiping things, man. That's just what we do. <laughs> so, one last question I've got for you and it's a postseason question. The RPI just becoming so crucial at this point in the year. You know, where where do you see the Sun Belt being represented in, in terms of regionals and postseason play? How many teams do you see getting in all of that? You know what's funny? It's such a good league this year, top heavy. I'll say that because there certainly is a drop off. But um, it feels like the only team that's a lock, if you're looking at squarely at RPI, is Georgia Southern right now. Even Texas State, the magic number is to be around the 40s, or probably nothing lower than 45. You know, to feel pretty comfortable about getting in. And you know when you look at the Bobcats' remaining schedule, they have HBU on uh, Tuesday coming up. That's going to hurt the RPI win or lose. Lose it'll really hurt. And then Georgia State, which really isn't going to help the RPI a lot. And you think about who you play in the tournament. Um, and so their RPI right now is sitting right at the low 40, high 30 mark. And so if if they drop a few games here or there, and they're and they're hovering just outside that 40, that number of 45. And they don't have a good showing, you know, in Montgomery. That could put them squarely in the bubble. In 2019, they won this tournament, or they won the regular season. I beg your pardon. Lost their first two games of the tournament and got bounced out. And so they can't feel comfortable where they're at right now. They feel pretty good. It would take a lot for them not to get in at this point, but it's not a lock. Louisiana and Coastal both kind of look like bubble teams right now. I think I saw in the latest projections. Louisiana was one of the final four in from D1 baseball. And Coastal Carolina is playing well as of late, but I wouldn't call them a lock either. If things go well for those four teams, if they take care of business to end the regular season, each wins at least a game in Montgomery, I think you could see four teams in. I would say two is is, is pretty close to a lock. Three I feel comfortable about. Four is a maybe. That's where I would say I'm at right now. 
Brant Freeman, the play-by-play voice on ESPN Plus for Texas State, has been our guest. Brant, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great weekend on the call between the Bobcats and the Cajuns, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. There he goes, Brant Freeman, the play-by-play voice for the Texas State Bobcats. As a reminder, the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome. May 26th to June 5th, text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Heartland State Fair. Once again, CHSF to 68683. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, we'll wrap up today's show and get you set up for Friday here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood. But you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. A couple minutes before we get on out of here to your weekend. How do you feel about the Saints signing Jarvis Landry so far? 95.5% of you say love it. 4.5 say meh. I've got a gif from Houdat Forever, and it's Eddie Murphy, or actually might be Snoop Dogg. I can't really tell. Dancing in a hallway, and it says hell yeah. So I think he's excited about that. Somebody's talking about Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about Dejon Dixon and his potential to join this squad. That's true. The Nichols product participating in rookie minicamp this week. That could be interesting. Big thanks to Nick Suss, Jay Walker, and Brant Freeman for joining us on this Friday. Big thanks to you for hanging out on this Friday afternoon. LSU baseball pregame at 7. First pitch is at 7.30 from Alex Box Stadium. For James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Have one hell of a weekend. Your boy's going to graduate. He's going to be one degree smarter when he comes back on Monday. But until then, have a great weekend, everybody. LSU CBS Sports Radio and LSU Baseball is up next.